Me taipare whakarewa waka ngā whakāro. Kei ngā kāranga tanga maho o te motu rarau mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei e mihi atu nei kia koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taroa kenei. Separatism. One set of rules for one group of people, another set of rules for another group of people, and the divider is race. Or an important step towards inclusion. The best way that Crown and Māori and Aotearoa can address these discussions is by recognising that we are stronger together. What does it look like to share power in contemporary Aotearoa? This is about being future focused and how it is that we evolve in a partnership. In a special episode, we delve into the debate over co-governance. Co-governance is a term used to describe arrangements for decision-making partnerships between iwi and other groups, including central and local government. Primarily, it applies to natural resources, but there are calls to extend it to the delivery of services with the aim of addressing the inequities Māori face in health, housing, education and so on. It's thought that with Māori at the decision-making table, greater progress could be made towards creating a fairer and more equitable Aotearoa. Tonight we'll be discussing the future of co-governance with our panellists Ngāti Whātua Orake's Precious Clark, founder of Modia Consulting, uh, Ben Thomas, former Presec to Chris Finlayson and public relations consultant, and via Zoom from Te Whanganui Ātara to Kuroirangi Morgan, Chair of Waikato Tainui's Te Arataura. Tēnā koutou. But first, let's take a look at the political response to co-governance. It's the political hot potato of 2022. Act leader David Seymour calling for a referendum on co-governance, describing it as the dismantling of democracy. The boards of Crown Research Institutes, uh, the boards of state-owned enterprises, the management of three waters and healthcare, uh, those were things that did not exist in 1840s. While the National Party leader doesn't support a referendum on it, Luxon's no fan either. For me, co-governance and creating two systems in the delivery of public services is not the way forward. But Labour's Māori ministers believe extending co-governance is key to addressing inequity for tangata whenua. Don't confine us to the stars, the sky, the lakes, the rivers. We are a deficit. We've got huge disparities in every area. Why would you not come up with a strategy of co-governance and co-management to try and close the gap? We're talking about closing the gaps between Pākehā and Māori. While co-governance isn't new when it comes to managing natural resources, its inclusion in the government's proposed Three Waters legislation unleashing a torrent of criticism. There will be 50-50 council representation with mana whenua representation across the four large water entity areas. The regional representative group's core role will be to set the strategic performance expectations uh, for the water service entity in their rohe, uh, but also to have oversight 
around how uh, th those uh, expectations are being delivered on by the entity. Meanwhile, National's former Minister for Treaty Settlements says he's relaxed about extending co-governance arrangements, but believes the government should front up. It is incumbent on the current government to come out and coherently and simply say what exactly they are proposing to do through expanding co-governance, explain what co-governance is, and I don't think that's being done very well at the moment, uh, and the rationale for it, and the rationale for other initiatives, and then it's incumbent on those who are in opposition to challenge those propositions. Debate is good, provided it is not extreme and nasty. Well, let's start with you, uh, Tukurorangi Morgan. You've been involved in the design of co-governance for many years now. How do you describe it? What is co-governance? Uh, kia ora, ngārangi. Uh, for us on the Waikato River, it's about the highest order of co-governance, equal numbers working together with our treaty partners. In this instance, uh, there's a mix of uh, commercial industry representatives as well as councillors. So this is, uh, this is about a opportunity for the River Iwi to have their say, to make meaningful, discuss, uh, uh, meaningful and significant decisions about the health and well-being of the longest river in this country, the Waikato River, 140, uh, uh, 476 kilometres from Lake Taupo all the way to the, to, uh, to the outfall in the sea. 40% of our river goes into uh, nourish Aucklanders, has been for some time. So uh, for us, this is about a treaty relationship that's an enduring partnership that's built on trust and confidence to do one thing, to uh, work uh, cohesively and collectively to try and improve the health and well-being of our tupuna'awa. Kapai Tuku is talking there, um, precious about um, you know co-governance arrangements and treaty settlements, one that he's been involved with for the last couple of decades. But you know, I guess are we having a watershed moment at the moment? The pushback, you know, that the reaction to uh, in increasing the efforts of co-governance. Yes, and, and I would say that that pushback to the criticism is um, driven by three things, one being awareness, and there's an increasing awareness of uh, our New Zealand history, the impacts of colonisation, enduring impacts of colonisation on Māori, um, that combined with an increased awareness of the opportunity that exists from operating within a TDT partnership relationship. And also, um, New Zealanders are becoming more aware of the sophistication of Māori approaches and how that benefits us. When you combine those things with most New Zealanders like fairness, and I think Ben wrote an article which said New Zealanders prioritise a fair go, combine those two things with the rise awareness and visibility of Māori success, it culminates in people wanting change and they're looking at Māori as potentially having some of those answers. If I think of Ngāti Whātuorake as an example, we raised, um, we increased our asset base from 350 million to 1.5 billion in a 10-year time frame. That was a, just under a 13% year-on-year growth in assets and in anyone's books that is a great result. But that result came, as a res, um, came through the application of our values in our Māori 
Māori approaches. And so people are looking for more dynamic leadership and they recognise that Māori have some of those answers. Ben, um, you know, Tuku's talking about an arrangement there which is a natural resource and, it, and it's been a pretty successful one. Um, and I think it was actually the national government. It was Chris Finlayson, you probably were working for him at that time. But um, why do you think at the moment we're seeing such an emotional reaction? The fear around co-governance from some quarters, and it's not universal, uh, it, it comes from it being unknown. People, th people don't know or they think they don't know what co-governance is. And people are afraid of new things, you know. It's actually pretty understandable. We've, we've been through this before. I, when I was working for Finlayson down in Wellington, we went through this with the first round of uh, co-governance or co-management agreements for natural resources. You know, 12 years ago, Radio New Zealand would lead its midday news with a story about a, a co-governance agreement with, you know, over a forest park in the middle of the North Island. Um, and, you know, you'd have comments from all these sort of scared lobby groups who were worried that it meant they were going to be cut off <laughs> or that people were going to lose something. Now, the fear around that abated and, you know, much more significant co-governance agreements were signed without any sort of public alarm. And the reason is because nothing happened, <laughs> you know, in terms of the everyday person's uh, experience of, of, of their lives and of, of, of their participation, you know, nothing really changed from their perspective. And so it became harder and harder for opponents to whip up this kind of fear. Mm. Now it's being sort of expanded into this sort of wider area. And so there's new opportunities to kind of alarm people um, and and you know I think what Precious said I think is is true uh, there are a lot of New Zealanders who don't understand that when we're talking about co-governance with iwi we're not talking about you know some some you know village in the middle of nowhere with you know we're not talking about the you know these are sophisticated entities you know who have strong although they are iwi who are representing some villages in the middle of nowhere no doubt <laughs> Tuku, can I come to you because the dominance of non-Māori in politics and powerful spaces. Do you think this is changing? I don't think so, actually. Um, I thought that actually when we when we cut the deal and signed uh, with Pinnison 12 years ago, I thought that actually we were, uh, we were reaching a point of maturity. But clearly um, there, are, there are politicians uh, who have forgotten their own history. Uh, uh, the issue that I have is, is that uh, when we uh, work with the National Party, uh, you had Rodney Hyde, uh, the ACT leader, working at the hip of both Key and also Finlayson. So, um, you know, there, uh, there have been uh, times in our history where actually people have recognised the, uh, the fruits and the benefits of collectivity and working together. The issue that I have is that... Uh, um, you will always get politicians, uh, when we're uh, running close to an election, they'll always find an excuse to, to, uh, to, uh, to hammer the Māori, uh, to, uh, because in the end, politics in this country is about the tyranny of the majority. But we're a sophisticated people. Uh, as, uh, you know, Patience has, um, has uh, uh, reaffirmed across this country, you know, uh, the Māori asset value is in excess of $100 billion. Waikato Tainui is $2 billion now. We're a sophisticated iwi with um, a cohesive, a long-term economic strategy, and we're con you know, we are contributing to the tapestry of this and the lifeblood of this country. So, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we know which, uh, which way is up. 
Tim. But there are politicians who will continue to undermine uh, the successes of people like us for, uh, for the benefit of garnering extra votes. Auraki mai anō ki te hui. Kei te matapaki hea te kaupapa whakahaere ngātahi o tō mātou, e tō mātou pai kōrero, e tū koroirangi Morgan, e Ben Thomas, e Precious Clark. Kapai, let's get straight back into it. Listening to uh, Minister Mahuta earlier, um, explain that framework around Three Waters or a bit more of it anyway. Can you see it working? There are parts that I welcome, particularly a national focus on and an amalgamation of resources to create better infrastructure that allows all New Zealanders to access good, clean, healthy water. Um, what it won't resolve is the underlying ownership issue, and I don't believe that it is co-governance. What I see is that there are a number of processes before you get to decide who the entity board is, and there is a chance that that entity board could have no mana whenua, no ahika and no Māori. Um, so it doesn't resolve those issues at all. Your thoughts there, Tuku? You've been involved in some of the wānanga around Three Waters. Do you agree with Precious? Do you think it's, it's a good uh, framework or not? I actually think it's a fantastic opportunity. It's a wonderful uh, springboard for our people uh, because at the regional uh, representation group, it is co-governance. And it's that group that, uh, that determines uh, the, the direction of the day-to-day of the -day management, the water services entity, which is the next layer down. So uh, uh, there is no doubt that our people will, uh, will, uh, will be infiltrated throughout all of the levels. Uh, I, I am absolutely confident that Three Waters is, a, is an opportunity for us to participate in a significant way. The, 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 uh, you know, the devil is always going to be in the detail but I know that in relation to the recommendations that the iwi representatives for the working party uh, of the 47 recommendations, uh, 44 got through. And, and uh, for that, uh, I think that uh, what this minister has done has been bold, courageous, and has pushed the boundaries of tolerance. And uh, I, I, um, you know, I believe that there are excellent opportunities for our people to participate Māori are at, you know, they're up for this, they're up there, they're in the engagement, hui, they're coming up with the strategies themselves, but there's still that argument that co-governance is for natural resources, that's what we're hearing from, you know, certain groups in politics, but not for the service um, delivery aspect of it. Can you break it down? What does that mean? What's the fear? So David Seymour articulated this in his speech. He said you know, f finally, in terms of ACT, uh, they, they accept the argument for redress for historical breaches in treaty settlements, and that means that if you've got a natural resource, like the Maunga in Auckland, uh, uh, or Te Uruera, or various r rivers, you know, that the, the the, the iwi, the local iwi, will have a role in managing that, and that's kind of redress for them being sort of alienated from that that resource over time. That's particular to them. The argument uh, for social services or excluding that and, and keeping co-governance, as you'd call it, away from that framework, is that uh, you know it's not particularly 
an iwi or a Māori issue, how you run the health system, say. Um, now, there is another argument for co-governance, right? It doesn't all have to spring from historical breaches. It could be that, uh, you know, as we see, Māori are at the bottom of the heap in pretty much every social indicator that you look at, uh, particularly health, but lots of yep, other things. Yep, the frameworks haven't worked. And, and so why don't you get, you know, the people in these localities who are affected by these things actually charting their own course for once. All government departments are encouraged to do this thing called co-design, which is bring iwi into the tent, bring Māori into the tent when they're designing their policy. Well, actually, you don't need to do that on every case-by-case -case basis mm. if you've actually got those representatives there in the room all the time. So it's actually just about getting effective policy, and I don't think that ACT or National would argue that the government has gotten everything right in the areas of poverty or healthcare just over the years. Just before I go to Precious, just tell me quickly, do you consider the Māori Health Authority co-governance? Well, I don't think it is, uh, because the Māori Health Authority is just a Crown entity that okay. is appointed by a minister. I'm going to come to you, Precious, just okay. to, to, to respond to, you know, to, to your reaction to that corridor. I absolutely agree. The Māori Health Authority is not co-governance. It's, uh, it's appointed by the ministers. Co-governance has to emerge out of, and I would say, ahika. So my definition of co-governance is an extension of what Tuku um, Tuku mentioned, it's not just about representation, it's also about designing the framework and the functions of the organisation. Um, but it has to be Māori-led for it to be effective because it needs to be imbued with our values and our approaches for it to achieve the equity outcomes that we're looking for as a nation. Tuku, in the post-settlement era, if the government doesn't get these arrangements with Māori right, you know, what is the outcome? I think it's a huge, it's a retrograde step um, uh, because... With the insertion of uh, of New Zealand history, there is a there is a generation of our tamariki, and I'm talking about my own children who've gone through kura kaupapa and and kura, who actually um, are far more are far more capable of walking the minefield of of politics, both Māori and and central politics. So you know, there's a wave of young people who are coming through. Who are um, you know who will not be denied, and and so they sing off a of a songbook that is far more um, you know uh, far more independent has that independent voice a strong uh, mana Maori voice you know th those uh, uh, th uh, those young people won't be denied th this country is changing uh, uh, significantly. Maybe uh, not as much as the current politicians. Uh, there are some uh, current uh, politicians who are pushing against the tide. But I can tell you that the future of our people, I'm talking about our own tamariki uh, uh, who are bilingual, bicultural, competent in both worlds, and are far more uh, prepared uh, uh, than, we were ever, uh, than we ever were. So, you know, I mean... Uh, this, this country is in for a uh, huge shake-up. Absolutely. Kapai tenakwe. Kahuya no tātou akwane. Ko te hui tēnei e whakapāho Precious, what are some of the agencies, ministries, um, you know, is it media as well that could benefit from co-governance in your opinion? 
Yes, and, I, and government I would start with um, State Services Commission and Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet because they have an ability to pull the levers that would drive change within the other departments. And then with the other departments I would focus on those that have day-to-day -day, um, responsibility for Article 2 Taonga Kaupapa. And when we're thinking people, we're thinking Department of Internal Affairs, we're thinking... Um, uh, and when we're thinking land, oh sorry, health and education, when we're thinking land, we're thinking department, uh, uh, Ministry for the Environment and we're thinking of DOC. And when we're thinking of law, we're thinking of um, Ministry of Justice. So those are some of those agencies. But I guess if I was asked the question about media, I would come to you, Annabelle Lee and Miriana Hond, and ask you. So um, what's, your, what's your thoughts? <laughs> We've got enough time for one. <laughs> ben, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think you could, there could be some real change if we started looking at different frameworks for, you know, to address these kinds of issues? I think the key is that you look for what works in each particular case. I don't think there's any single rule. Um, and, you know, really the key, and, th and this is why I don't actually necessarily think that apart from a couple of high-profile po policies, there's actually a lot of daylight between Labour and National on this, is that in most cases you'll get where you want need to go through, I think, more devolution, more power sharing at a local level, um, you know, involving iwi looking after their own people and having more responsibility and funding. We saw that in spades during the vaccine rollout. So do you think that National will pull back on their words? I don't think that National are approaching this in nearly as alarmist a way as people are sort of... Um, accusing them. You know, they've obviously staked out their territory on three waters on the Māori Health Authority, which again isn't even co-governance, um, and, and those that, you know, there's historical and political reasons for that. But, you know, look, if you look at the history of national and government, and if you look at the people who are in charge right now, they're not people who are against Māori aspiration. What they have decided is that, however arbitrarily, they don't like co-governance, but they've said they like partnership, and there's a lot of cross But they've said that they don't things. actually really know what co-governance is, so... That's where we're going to debate. Tuku, um, when it comes to, oh, well, you know, first of all, maybe you could tell me what does a co-governance future look like to you and how do you weigh up that really difficult conversation and it's become a bit of a debate around democracy? You know, uh, when we first embarked on this journey of co-governance with the councils and with our treaty partner, no one uh, would believe how far we've come. And uh, we're in a uh, situation now, 12 years on, where actually uh, co-governance is, is normal. People can talk uh, to each other across the table. Decisions are made without having to go to a vote, for God's sake. We have co-chairs. It's a normal course of event. And um, we, are, we are used to this kind of practice in Waikato. I can't for the... For the but for the live of me, work out why co-governance is not adopted in a in a much more holistic and and expansive way across this country, because we have demonstrated that it is possible to make decisions with our community partners for the betterment of our community, and in this case, the Waikato River. It is the lifeblood of our community, as I said. It it, it, it provides 40% of the water into Tamaki. So, you know, um, uh, for three waters, uh, uh, co-governance, it is the best way to stop the privatisation of assets because Māori will never sell. So, you know, what, uh, why would you want to sell assets that we want to pass on as a legacy koha 
to those who come after us, to our future generations. Whereas councils have over the years proven that they can't be trusted. They sell assets. Māori don't. So, you know, when we're talking about co-governance, it comes down to mutual respect and understanding of each other's culture. Kia ora. Prish, you know, we're told that by certain sectors that, you know, everyone's against this, but when you, you're in the public se- uh, the private sector, you're doing a lot of work in there, it, do you feel, what, what are they saying? There's a significant shift. And so if you think of the leadership that Vodafone demonstrated having a tiriti statement, being really bold and public about that, we're working with a range of organisations, mainly in the private sector, who are asking us to help them explore how they breathe life into a tiriti space and how they change their operating systems to achieve that. Um, And what we also know is that that Te tiriti provides a sense of belonging for many New Zealanders who find it difficult to anchor their identity here at home in Aotearoa. And you cannot underestimate the impact of identity for New Zealanders and, uh, New Zealanders and how that shifts their leadership to take stronger and bolder leadership. So what, what you will see is that the pendulum around racial relationships is constantly shifting, but there are more people coming behind in favour of exploring tiriti and co-governance models, New Zealanders, that stop the pendulum from swinging too far back and what you know David Seymour and National Party have to get on board with is that the mindsets of the middle New Zealand the voters they're hoping to attract is shifting. Do you think it's going to make a difference uh, you know all these things that Precious is talking about and what Tukus are talking about b- before the next election we're 18 months out? I, th- I think it's 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 clear that we've come a long way as a country, right? Um, you know, this sort of race-baiting, uh, anti-Māori, anti-treaty speech used to be the kind of thing that a 40% party would do in the days of Don Brash and National. Now it's the sort of thing that a 10% party does with the ACT Party, right? And I, mean, I think that speaks pretty positively of the New Zealand electorate. But you do have to actually get out there and explain what you're doing. I think that the government has been a little... Uh, a little slow on that. You can't rely on the fact that everyone will understand Tiriti the same way that you do, that they will know what you mean by co-governance. You actually have to get out there in all of the dusty town halls and schools and <laughs> and rotary clubs and actually make your case. Ka pai. Thank you for our tangata Tiriti, who's come along today. Um, and koutou katoa. Hei tērā wiki, he kaupapa haura. A generation of tūhoi tamariki have lived with the impact of rheumatic fever. It was so hard to understand, I didn't know what was happening or as soon as they said, oh you need heart surgery, I was like, heart? Why? I was cut up. For the last 10 years, tūhoi hauora's led a screening programme to stop the disease. That's one of the worst things you would want to hear, that one of your kids in your gura has come back positive for rheumatic fever and you know that you tried everything to prevent it. But in a post-pandemic environment, is enough being done to eradicate rheumatic fever? It doesn't make sense that a third world disease is here and happening. It shouldn't be happening in 2022. That story next week. Precious Clark and Ben Thomas.
Nā te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.